in this episode. You've got a lot of backlog in the in in college, and it's going to take a few years, three four years, for it to really play itself out. So it's that much more important, like Jeff said, to get yourself on the map early. I quickly learned that without uh, relevant job experience prior to your college graduation, it was going to be extremely, or even a master's, it was going to be extremely difficult to go that route. After 2016, 2017, 2018, I think this industry really took off. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes uh, for, the, for the next couple of years. My point is like, should a nine-year-old buy a blast motion sensor? Let's finish it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and we have a phenomenal episode for you today. It's going to be all about recruiting technology and how everything is moving forward um, in the baseball space. This is going to be a more baseball-oriented podcast. We are going to talk about sports careers because I know that's a big, big topic for a lot of high school students and college students and can you actually make a living in sports? So without further ado, I want to introduce my two guests. Uh, we have a phenomenal relationship. Um, I'm a big fan of this company. Um, it's Blast Motion. We have Jeff McGarry and we have John Muscott. And both are former collegiate athletes. Jeff played at the University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League, and was a two-way player. Also, he, after playing college baseball, he went into the startup space. So I want to go into that a little bit further because a lot of people don't go down the startup space right out, right out of college. So I want to jump into that. And then John went to Pepperdine University. He was a fourth round draft pick by the Cincinnati Reds, debuted with the Cincinnati Reds against San Diego, and also was part of their analytics department for the AAA affiliate in Louisville. So without further ado, guys, how are you how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Never better. Um did I na- did I nail the intro? For me, absolutely. Absolutely. Two A guy, graduated in twenty fifteen, had a uh had a great college career. I mean, sad it ended there, but um I was I was beat up from eighteen years of baseball and I think ready for a break. John, what about you? Did I nail it? Oh, phenomenal intro, Spiker. You know, you forgot the part where I gave up a home run in the first inning in my debut as well, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one out. That's always the most nerve-wracking part when you have guests is nailing down the intro because you don't want to mess that up because then the whole interview just goes completely <laughs> out of whack. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that was like a horrible podcast episode. Let's just not do another one with him again. <laughs> so... I want to I want to jump into obviously I want to get into tech but I want to go in this route of I'm I'm all about tech. I think it's just revolutionizing everything inside the game, but I want to go against the grain a little bit and jump into this notion of like is blast motion a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is these other tech companies good or bad for the game? And one thing that I first thought about was what do you tell the coach who is saying that I don't want my players to think too much? That is the toughest question for us to answer. Really is. I mean, anything on anything on the metrics as far as their definition and application are obviously always easy. But as far as controlling what the player is thinking, especially when they're up there at home plate and how they interpret the numbers is a really large challenge for these coaches. Um, I think with any piece of technology, whether it's sports tech or, or tech in general, if you don't have a very detailed understanding of, one, what it is, the best way to approach it, and how it can help, if you let your players kind of um, lead themselves down that road and jump to their own conclusions about what the numbers say, then that's when they start to go down, the, um, I guess, the wrong direction of development. For example, in Blast Motion's case, if you have a player that's taking swings and just working to get all greens, I mean, I know how to take a swing on blast motion sensor and get all greens, and it is a very, very ugly swing. There's a right, right way to approach that type of development, and it's a lot of what the coaches have been doing um, forever, right? Drills and sort of small steps towards a much larger goal over a month, two months, a year, and without being very, very open uh, Without a player and coach having a very open relationship between the two, 
um, I think that players can tend to um, go down that road of, of thinking a little too much and maybe taking their development onto the field with them, which is never a good thing. I always want, I always want players to be again in that moment thinking about the situation or just being very, very clear headed up there at the plate. And John, I know um, I want to tailor this question to you. The, our audience does know who blast is a majority. Um, but for those that do not know blast motion, um, could you give us like a forest type of view of what blast is? Yeah, sure. Um, so Blast Motion, we're a motion sensor technology company. Um, we capture swing analytics of the swing, and uh, it, it goes back and forth. We, we have baseball, softball, and golf. And within the baseball sphere, where is where Jeff and I work, and we really are the the pre-flight, right? So we take we capture data before you make contact with the baseball of your swing and how efficient, what your swing looks like, weight, areas that you can improve. Um, across the board, baseball, golf ball, soft. Uh, I'm sorry, baseball, softball, golf. Um, and then once you once you get out to the post-flight metrics, you know you have different companies, Repsoto, Trackman, Hawkeye, all those different technology companies that are capturing what happens after the swing. But we are the before swing um, analyzer, and uh, it's a sensor that goes on the bat. You know, I know you said a lot of people know it, but um, you know it's small. In, and it you know uses Bluetooth technology to transfer over to your phone. You can look at all of the data. You can scroll through. You can take video, um, all of the above. So um, that's kind of a bird's eye view. And then Jeff and and my role at Blast is to take basically what you just said. Um, how do you tell a coach or a naysayer? How do you get them to use it and not allow kids to overthink? And our role is really to educate coaches, um, staffs on what it is, what the solution is, how to incorporate it the best for their organization and roll it out to their players properly so that they are not overwhelmed and their players aren't overwhelmed. So, you know, you do need someone in companies like this to do that because otherwise, and it was the same way within the professional organization last year, working with the Reds, you have to have someone who's able to speak the language of the players. Because if they can't do that, then it's moot. It, you can have all the technology in the world, and it doesn't matter. So, give me, give me, guys, because you guys are so well versed in blast motion, and obviously the technology space. Like it seems like you guys, like I nerd out on this stuff, but it just seems like you guys are another level. Like you know everybody and everything that's going on in the space. Did you guys, when you went to college, did you think that, hey, I'm going to go into the sports industry and I'm just going to be like a dominant figure in the sports industry? Um, I'll, I'll start here. I graduated college in 2015 and I had no idea whatsoever that there was all this technology out there. The only path that I thought was available to get into the sports industry was either, or two, two paths, was either play professional sports or work in a front office somewhere. I guess I understood that there was scouting as well, but that wasn't really for me. Um, then I quickly learned that without uh, relevant job experience prior to your college graduation, it was going to be extremely, or even a master's, it was going to be extremely difficult to go that route. So um, decided to take my career elsewhere, which eventually led me back here. But no, I, I had no idea even in 2015 that all this technology was out there. And I don't know... Um, it, this was kind of beginning to happen then, but in, in the years after 2016, 2017, 2018, I think this industry really took off and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes uh, for, the, for the next couple of years. Well, and you, you were in the startup space, right? From the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. In the startup space, I took a job in sales at a, um, uh, a hiring recruiting company. Our bread and butter was this, was this um, resume uh it was a, an algorithm that could break down and read a resume and make it searchable. So we focused on, on placing and finding finance professionals and also working with finance firms to allow them to post jobs and find candidates for those jobs. Um, obviously not in, uh, not in the sports space, but still, still in tech. And that relevant technology and, and sales experience allowed me to uh, eventually land this job, which I think is a phenomenal opportunity to still be involved in and around baseball, still be involved in sports, you know, talking with, talking with the guys, guys and girls um, that, you know, I grew up around talking the same language, you know, 
cursing fairly often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, something you can't something you can't really do in in the hiring space, and um, you know, going out and visiting these these facilities, meeting these coaching coaching staffs, and just just talking the game without being so so deep into it. Um, it's it's really uh, it was really refreshing, kind of moving from from where I was into into this. Well, how did you figure out that like I'm gonna make a route a a left turn and go towards sports? Because again, you were a part of a startup company hiring firm, and then now you literally made a huge left turn and went to sports. Like, did you make that like consciously decision? Like, I want to go back into the sports space, or and like you were actively searching for it or did it just pop up somewhere and you're like, I'm going to apply for that and see what happens. So I wanted to get into sales out of college, out of college. So I found that sales gig in New York and, um, you know, learned, learned the ropes, you know, started in, started in inside sales and lead generation, moved into outside sales, figured out how to manage a pipeline and what questions to ask from the beginning, what questions not to ask. And I think those skills apply to really any, any, any sales gig. Um, now, what made me want to switch over to sports is, and I, and I don't mean to, to knock the recruiting industry or anything, but um, I was speaking with and selling to a lot of human resources and recruiting professionals who were, you know, mom, moms and dads. And I was a, a 25, 24 year old kid trying to relate to that group talking about their weekend plans to go to their in-laws and trying to somehow find common ground. And it was just such a challenge. And while making a sale and closing a deal was, was very rewarding, the, um, the day-to-day and the daily conversations and how I got there was exhausting just because it wasn't um, the types of conversations that I was super interested in or that I found very um, constructive. So I, I missed that the... Um, just the vibe I got from talking to people in sports, people in athletics. I missed their drive and their competitiveness that you just didn't really find in other industries. So uh, after about three years at that company in that role, uh, I decided to start poking around. I applied, uh, I'd say the majority of my job applications were in sports, in the sports industry, but I was what I learned from that is I, I was focusing more on um, avenues that were able to maybe that were more likely to maybe fulfill those um, the, or uh, fill in those missing spaces, I guess. Like, again, those, those people, that competitiveness, that vibe that I mentioned earlier. So right, I want to take a pause on this because I want to come back to the recruiting aspect because I think like your previous job is going to help us with the future questions that I want to ask. But John, give a give me your background and how you actually got into the sports space. Obviously, you played professional baseball, but um, everyone knows that time when you make the decision of like, yeah, I'm done playing baseball. It's a it's actually a scary time because you're like, what do I do now? Um, how did you really approach that after career type of thought process? Because everyone is going to go through that at some point, whether you're in baseball, soccer, like every athlete goes through it. How did you approach that? Yeah. Um, I was lucky. I was fortunate, man. My whole career, um, you know, I did have injuries and whatnot, but just to get to where I got to and to be able to have some of the opportunities and meet some of the people that I met, um, you know, the Reds did really well by me. They were an incredible organization and all of the people there, I'm very thankful, um, for, for their guidance. You know, when I hung my cleats up, it was spring training of 2019. And I decided that, um, at that point in time, I just couldn't deal with all the injuries that I was having. I, ca- I couldn't make it past a certain point. So, you know, I stepped inside to the front office and I just let them know, hey guys, like this is my decision. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be retiring. I appreciate everything you've done for me. And they were honest and open with me and said, hey John, um, we want to keep you around and you need to learn sports technology. And literally, they looked me in the eye and they said, that is where the game is going. And if you want to be a part of the game you need to learn the analytics. And I said, done. So I took all of spring training the rest of the year and just dove deep in on all of it. And, um, you know, within three months, I was neck deep understanding graphs and data and relating it back to pitchers and, you know, and then um, 
was out in Louisville coaching with this stuff, you know, giving it to players in actionable ways. And then uh, before I knew it, kind of the season was over and, and I was getting married and it was just kind of a tough time to be able to juggle finding a new job and Blast opened up and it was an incredible opportunity with a new company. And, um, you know, I've been I've been fortunate enough to land here at a, at a, at a great place with that, that talks baseball. We get to have, have these conversations. And so for me, it wasn't so much like, Hey, I know I need to be in the sports technology field. It was almost, it was, you either go this way where the game is going or you won't be able to be in the game. So it's adapt, adapt and evolve, right? adapt and evolve. Basically. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's what the major league organizations are finding as well is that like, if you want to win, you have to adapt. What did you go to school for? Like, obviously economics is big in that. Um, being an actuary, did you go to school for data? Um, honestly, Spiker, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I went to school. I, I, I went into school trying to thought that I was going to be a doctor because that's what my dad did. And then after one morning workout at 4 a.m. for Pepperdine and then having to go to a lab at 9 p.m. that night, I said, no way. So I switched, <laughs> I switched my major to economics and did so actually, and this is the honest to God truth, because the head of the economics department at the university that I was at was in a movie with me when I was 13 years old and I knew him. And that's why I went the economics route. Um, so that's crazy. Yeah. So like it was just a cold coincidence and I ended up loving it and it was, it's been great. And I, I really do um, value my education and everything that I learned in that process. But like, I didn't go into it thinking this is my end goal. It just kind of organically worked out. And I was lucky enough to be in a position with the people that I met and the relationships that I've made over the course of my career um, to be here. But, you know, in hindsight, if I were looking back saying, what would I have done? I probably would have done the same thing. I would have gone to school, learned the data economics, and then interned with the baseball team at that school and been like, hey, give me all of the information and I'll crunch the numbers for you. It's almost like now there's actually a path before there wasn't really a path. Like it was almost, it was the wild, wild West. No one really knew like economics. I felt, cause I was the same, I was an economics major. And at the time it was, I remember my, <laughs> I remember my advisor going, you really want to do that? <laughs> like just looking at you straight in the dead in the eyes. Like you really want to do that? I'm like, yep, I sure do. <laughs> so, um, all right. Anyways, let, let's go into the, um, the, the tech side back into that. And, um, obviously we talked about the naysayers. Why, why should parents and players really care about tech and does it really matter to, to know this data? So I, I want to tailor this question more to at what age does it actually matter and what age does it not matter? I'll, uh, I'll kick this one off. So with anything, if you're trying to make a decision, and this could be a decision relating to the coronavirus, this could be a decision relating to player development, the more information that you have helps you make better decisions. So blast motion is definitely never, ever going to replace a coach, but it is a tool to help the coach maybe pick up some things that they can't see with their eyes or um, validate or reinforce some of the things they're seeing out there on the field, the ball coming off the bat. Okay, if someone is hooking or slicing everything towards the line, they can't, they can't generate efficient backspin, what could they potentially be doing pre-impact to lead them there? It takes a lot of the, a lot of the guesswork out. And that's why, that's why I think, um, that's why I think technology is so, is so beneficial to everything or to, and, and to everybody. Um, and sorry, Spiker, the second part of your question. Um, the second, the second part is what, what age groups, like what age groups does it really matter? Cause I mean, do, does a night, should a nine year old, my point is like, should a nine year old buy a blast motion sensor or should a coach buy a rap Soto device? Like, do they really need that tech? I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take that one, Jeff. I, I think here's why I would say, you know, the answer to that in my mind is sure. There's no reason not to is because you're not necessarily using it the same way as somebody who's using it to get recruited to college or who's using it to, you know, work on their, their plane efficiency score. But one of the whole benefits of all of this stuff, man, is, is when you throw it on there, right? It's an incentive to get out and practice. 
it gives you, hey, like I'm gonna get a green score or I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and take 50 swings today because I got this new piece of technology. You know, like you may not, you have, have no idea what it's showing you, but it is incentivizing or it's it's inspiring people to get out there and, and practice and work on their craft, even frankly, if they don't know what they're doing. And we know that like taking swings, you know, that's that's an important part of this process. Or going out there and, and working on your mechanics or throwing, you know, the Rapsodo, you know, starts to become, you, you can deep dive and you can deep dive with blast stuff. But like, if you have a tool to be able to say, hey, like, here's where you were when you were nine and here's where you are on your 10th birthday, like, well, this is great. Look at how much I improved. You know what I mean? Like in your bat speed or, or, or this is the amount of swings that I've taken from nine to 10 years old. Is it absolutely necessary? No, I don't think anything is, but I mean, it certainly is a tool and something that can be used in a way that, um, there's so much benefit out there for any age group, but it's gotta be used. I mean, it's used differently. Yeah, it's, it's definitely used differently. And if, if somebody comes to me and asks, how could I use this for my team? And it's, and it's a bunch of nine-year-olds. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I like to be genuine and I wouldn't try to sell them on blast right away. I would ask, why do you want to spend a couple thousand dollars and come on board with something like this? Well, I think it'll be a, a great tool to, to help the players. Well, and I would say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, sir, but do you understand that this isn't just a gimmick? This isn't something that you can strap on your bat. Your guys are going to take 100 swings and they're going to get better. You, your entire staff, your parents and your players need to understand the application of all these metrics. You need to be sure that you have, if you want to go that direction of development, that you have players that are knowledgeable enough about, one, the numbers, and two, their own bodies, and they're, um, they are aware enough to be able to make adjustments to eventually reach uh, a certain a certain point as far as the numbers go um if if you've got a bunch of nine-year-olds who are up there just worried about hitting the baseball and making contact are you gonna try to explain to them what rotational acceleration is and creating separation between your hips and and upper half i don't think so but you can still utilize the blast motion technology to promote uh to, to help with accountability to promote friendly competitions internally to do bat speed challenges you can still have a lot of fun with it um, so, so for those that are considering coming on board, it's just first and foremost, really important to have an understanding of everything and then an understanding of your team and your group and how to apply the different things you can do with technology to, um, to them. For example, like if I get something like hit tracks or Soto for my facility and it, someone can hit in a cage and see their exit velocity. Great. But, um, in order to use it for what it's built for. You have to get deeper than just having something like that in the facility as a gimmick to get people in the door. Otherwise, I think you just poured a bunch of money down the drain. Well, that's the big thing too. And um, obviously we've talked about, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but the biggest thing that I think, the reason that I would say yes for a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old too is it's the language because that language is going to evolve in the next five years where this is just going to be commonality where someone a scout's going to ask, Hey, what's your rotation score? What's, what's this, what's that. And if you don't know those numbers, like you're at a huge disadvantage or even like the lingo of coaching in general, where you start going up towards the college ranks and you jump into a college and you don't know that lingo, you're at a disadvantage from the start when you hit that fall campus where you don't know what, how to make an adjustment when they say, what's, this is the launch angle that we want. This is the attack angle we want. And if you don't know that language, you're, you're, you don't know what to fix and that's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's like jumping down to Mexico and thinking that like, it's going to take you a while to learn the language. It's basically what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 Part of our, uh, part of our sales pitch and why we see, um, colleges come on board is they'll, they will actually experience this where a player will come in and this could be a coach that's won multiple championships in conference is taking a team to the college world series and the player will ask like what do you have that can help me get better and the coach is like oh I, i've gotten 30 players drafted I've, uh, I've won x amount of championships well for today's player if they're that knowledgeable about the direction the game's going and and what's available to actually help them improve if that school doesn't utilize that then that might not be enough for them. Just their that coach's background and how how winning how how many wins they have. Um, they are now looking more and more for stuff that they can use on their own to help them improve, and that the coaching staff can 
um, use along with their knowledge to help them improve even faster. And even on the recruiting end of things, which that's what I want to jump into, it, those if you don't know those numbers and you don't know the purpose of those numbers, you can't promote that and you can't create your own brand on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. Like I'm so bullish on Twitter. It is unreal. And the reason I'm bullish is one of our guys just got picked up just because of a social media post. And ESPN just came out with an article on the MLB draft from one of the players from the Doolins Dodgers, and which is an organization, I think, in Tennessee. And I don't know if it was Doolins Dodgers that was doing this, but the player went all in on social media and started sending out those numbers on analytics and just kept on documenting his, his training and got the attention of a bunch of scouts. Yeah. It, it, it baffles me that not many players are jumping in on this or even, even organizations are jumping in on this. I mean, it's just, it's just the, the stream of, 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 uh, information, right? It's, it's a place to go where you can put yourself out there and whoever likes can take their, take their pick. And if you're not doing it, you're not doing yourself a service. I mean, I've seen people, you know, who, are playing independent ball for the, the the duration of their careers, just never get a look for, for whatever reason. And they're throwing their stuff up on Twitter and, you know, within weeks they're being signed because somebody sees something that they like. So you never know who's going to see something that you like or, or that they like, but you're absolutely right. Spiker Twitter is a game changer. Um, I think the pitching ninja and the flat ground app have kind of done that on the pitching side. I think that it's going that way with hitting um, these, these metrics, these, you know, the spin rates, the bat speeds, the, um, all the numbers that, that, that are getting put up there, rotation, um, they're, they're changing the lingo and the language and taking the subjectivity out of the, the viewer, right? The scout can look at some uh, real objective, hard data and say, man, this matches up to what my eyes are seeing. I can bring this back to my front office and this is going to now make a difference in the process of either drafting or signing a player. It's like, it's like being a lawyer. You have to make your case on a player and before you didn't have anything to make case. You were just like, well, Bill has had like a bunch of guys that made to major league baseball. So we trust what Bill says. And then, then the other guy, James, who is trying to fight for his life and trying to get a guy to get to the big leagues. Now he actually has a chance against Bill and actually make a case for um, one of his players to be picked up at an earlier round. And then that guy ends up getting the shot that he needs. Cause everyone knows, I mean, mon- money speaks when it comes to major league baseball and where you're drafted. So if you have a dollar amount to your name, I mean, you're going to get more sh- chances than anybody else. And I just think documenting on Twitter as a player, like why wouldn't you do it? Like, yeah, I get the whole aspect of, well, you don't want to say something stupid or anything like that. But at the same time, like Twitter and social media, there's, you get so many at bats. Like you can, you can end up saying, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. Apologize. And then you're back on your merry way and you've created another more authentic brand for that player. Especially nowadays with, with everything that's been going on and how, at least how I think competitive uh, college recruiting is going to be moving forward with the NCAA's decision to grant fifth years to anybody that obviously missed out on this year. And then with the MLB draft um, potentially being shortened, like there's going to be a lot of fringe D1 guys who, if they don't um, market themselves or, you know, like I just, I want to encourage every player to take the reins of um, like, take more accountability and responsibility in getting your name out there in front of these college coaches, if you, if you have data and if you have data to back it up, that helps even more because as we see more and more colleges come on board, obviously the pro teams are on board already, but um, they, they do value that information and they use that information to help make more informed decisions. And there are platforms accessible to everybody that they can utilize to get their, get their name, get their likeness, get their game out there to maybe give themselves an edge over all those other fringe D1 guys. Cause I mean, I'm talking to clients and they're going to have 50, 50 guys on the roster. They're keeping their recruiting class. They're, they're bringing back their fifth year seniors and there's not going to be any walk. There's not going to be any walk-ons um, guys are transferring from schools up North to schools down South for a fifth year. Um, because one, they obviously impressed at those, um, not, you know, 
at those other Division One schools that aren't quite as powerful as the ones in the SEC. But, you know, that frees up a spot for that school up there. And now what, what are they going to do? Who are they going to pick? Are they going to look for another transfer? Where are they going to find him? Um, even this summer with a with a shortened recruiting cycle, nobody's out there watching guys play right now. Maybe maybe there's a, a few games going on in Missouri. I know in Texas they're doing a lot of virtual events where they're shooting games where co- that coaches can tune into. But without being there in person, I mean, if I if I have a couple at bats um, during that virtual tournament, and I can include video of those at bats along with something like my my blast metrics or my Rapsodo metrics, and send that to a list of colleges that attended that game, if I have information on this player that I saw virtually and then all I have for this other player that I'm considering is the three at bats I saw from them in that game and I need to make a decision in in three weeks on who to pick and who to potentially recruit for the for the next class I mean knowledge is power man said it earlier and how, how do you I mean how do you see how do you see college playing out for this year and beyond because also the NCA is thinking about extending the season or delaying the season for 2022 so like, how do you see the college game actually changing then? Because obviously you have an influx of players. The 2021 class is fighting for their lives to get into, get noticed by a school. Like, how do you guys see it? I mean, I think it only just deepens the, the not struggle, but grind to get recruited. I mean, you, you know, you're going to have a backup that lasts more than one year. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a few years. I think the junior class right now that's in in high school is really gonna is really gonna struggle with this because you know some of those twenty twenty ones who've already committed or whatever they're they're committed they can't get their scholarship pulled back. But um, you know those those guys that are trying to be going that are gonna be going to college and now you've got the freshmen that are redshirting um, or or whatever it is at that at that school. You know you've got. You've got a lot of backlog in the in in college, and it's going to take a few years, three four years, for it to really play itself out. So it's that much more important, like Jeff said, to get yourself on the map early. Um, you know, figure out how can I do that because the the normal way of being recruited, right? The hey, I'm I'm going to be playing here in high school next year at this time. Come see me. Like that that's that may not work anymore. You know, and if somebody else gets it before you, that might be a, that might be a, a spot that was highly valuable. Well, even the guys that are committed, I don't think are safe either. Yeah. They got their scholarship going into the fall, but like, this is my personal opinion. I want to hear your guys' personal opinion, but I think there's going to be an influx of transfers to Juco, like crazy, like absolutely nuts. And I'm hoping that a guy that's committed is realizing like, yeah, like I, yeah, I got my scholarship, but at the same time, like that's only for the fall and you could be on your way to San Jack or Coffeeville, you name the Juco. Well, yeah, I mean, with no doubt. And Jeff and I, I know Jeff can speak to this too, but we both work with a lot of junior colleges and all of them are saying like, we, we have no idea how many guys we're going to have on our roster come fall. You know, even this fall, it's like, there could be upwards of 60 players and, you know, and then we're going to have to make hard decisions. And then you're now as a player, you're in a decision where, well, I was just on a, G- a D one team. Now I'm at a JC and now fast forward a year and, I, and I'm not even maybe going to make that JC team. It's going to be highly competitive baseball. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Oh, I'm just going to go to my local JC. Like they're going to be good teams. They're going to be filled up with some studs. Uh, so I even think about the major leagues, like the major leagues just came out and laid off all those minor league players. And I mean, are those teams coming back? What happens to those players in the future? Right. I mean, you're, you're talking this trickle down starts from the MLB, right? It starts from the draft. It starts from those minor league teams being laid off. And frankly, there's just not as many spots to play anymore. Um, and, you know, you have to separate yourself one way or another if you want to continue. And, and, and you're right. The safety isn't there for the guys that are already recruited, but at least they have a place to go. And. Most importantly, and this is from my career and something that I've learned, like if you don't go somewhere where you're going to play, it doesn't matter where you go, man, because playing is the most important thing. You could go to the junior college down the street that's a no name. And if you play and you ball out, someone will recognize you, you know, and if you're proactive and you're on and you're pumping yourself like, you know, someone will see you. But if you're sitting on the bench, nobody's going to see you. That's for sure. 
I mean, think about like professional scouts. Where are most professional scouts, it seems like they're mostly finding those older type players in that JUCO route that end up getting overlooked, and then they blossom. And it's like, who was that dude? Yep. And then they end up creating a whirlwind of word of mouth, and then next thing you know, you're you have like three or four D ones or D twos calling calling your door. Yep. And and who knows how many of those guys are buried in sec d1 d1 rosters that can now consider okay do i go to this 50 person roster and potentially not play for three years or at all or do i go to a juco boom over the next year or two i have a head coach that just is able to really really develop me i develop and now i'm now i'm a top five round draft pick yeah it just it, it's going to be very interesting um and it just really it puts blast motion in a really good light because then you have metrics then you can actually create your brand and now it doesn't really matter hey i can go to this school or that school and then still tweet myself out if i'm a 2021 and still get a shot yep Yep. what how do you see technology growing in the next five years um i can speak to it from at least a, a blast perspective and i i i'll highlight um kind of our road to this point as well. So we started um, years ago in golf and obviously taking a swing and we're collecting data, uh, very in- individual sport. So, you know, as a business, what direction could we go into maybe make some more money? Let's go to team sports, baseball, softball, same kind of deal. We're tracking numbers. And, um, you know, over those years, we really built out the technology until about 2018, where we came out with that plane connection and rotation release, which really took us to the next level. Um, and what year was that? What year did you guys make that switch to baseball? Uh, the year was probably around 2015. Oh, dang. So it's, it's young. It's still very young. Yeah. Very, very young. That's, that's scary. So just give a perspective to the audience, like how fast it's moving. I mean, and you guys are a major, major player. You're across all the universities. You have all the major, most of the major league teams. Like that is nuts. All right, continue. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, I just want to put that perspective out there. Like it's only 2015 and five years. Even, even then we were a compliment to the whole player development process. And it was something that was brought on and, and considered um, we believed obviously that we had the power to become a requirement. So that was pretty much the goal in 2018 is become a, a requirement or, or a must have in the, in the player development process. So we really went hard after the MLB. We signed on, I think at that point, 2021 20, total MLB teams in 2018. Um, then in 2019, the, the goal was to become the player development standard. That's when we brought on, um, I think 27 of the 30 MLB teams full, full up and down the entire organization. Um, you know, one of the first things you get when you sign onto the team is a pair of shorts, pair of cleats, and here, here's your blast sensor. Um, now, moving into 2020, our goal is to become the recruiting standard and partner with all these showcases around the country, build out abilities for players to create and build a player profile that's shareable. That's a feature in Blast Connect that um, is, is very underutilized, something that players could easily tweet out. It's just a little link there, able to copy and paste in there. And now moving forward, um, this year, where we were supposed to, you know, by the end of the year, become that recruiting standard with everything that's happened over the past few months, we're moving more virtual. And that's where I think we're going to take things moving forward over the next five years is, is virtual events, virtual, virtual um, recruiting events, virtual development, virtual analysis, virtual communication. Um, so we have, we have uh, you know, a platform that is able to help our clients do some of that. But where we can take that in the next five years, I think is going to be is going to be pretty exciting. So it's going to be more of a communication type of tool overall. That's where you, so. that's where you guys are going. Wow, John, you want to add anything on that? I mean, Jeff just crushed out of the ballpark. But I mean, if you want to add something, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, Jeff hit the nail on the head there. I think that you know our goal as a company um, is long term make Blast a standard. You know, not only in recruiting, but in in your in the game, right? Hopefully, it's embedded in bats. Everybody has their sensor in there, right? So you're on ESPN, you're watching baseball, and instead of you know you seeing 
the, the, how quickly the outfielder ran from Amazon Web Services, you know, you're seeing in, in, t- in tandem with that, the bat speed of the swing and the, you know, rotational acceleration on a home run. Um, so that that's like the terminology that you're seeing, you know, everybody has a sensor. Like that's part of the game, you know what I mean? And so ideally that's the way that this goes and it's, it, it starts from the top and it just comes all the way down, you know? We're working on that, um, getting in-game data usage at the NC2A level, we're working hard on that. Um, and that's, that's gonna be a big uh, rock turnover for us and just continue. So like making sure that people know that Blast isn't just a tool for practice, it's also something that can be utilized in-game um, a lot of places to, you know, captured really, really valuable data. For recruiting purposes, what numbers matter the most? Let's go, let's go hitting and then we'll go pitching. And then how do we, and then how do you get those numbers? We had a podcast or we had a webinar a few, a few months ago um, with some college coaches. And the funny thing to that point, Spiker, is that every single coach had a different answer. Right. Every coach said, this is more important to me than this number. Um, but based off of their answers, um, I would say that that they're looking for um, they're looking for bat speed. Right. Which is a direct correlator to strength. OK, so if you're not strong and if you're not, you know, if you're not somebody who can move some weight, then you need to hit the weight room a little bit because that is the only way you're going to pump your bat speed strength. Um, the other answer that that we kept running into um, was, was rotation because it's also another strength metric or, or so-called strength metric, but it really has to do with sequencing and how well you sequence and guy, anybody who has a high rotation score, guys are going to just kind of salivate over somewhat similar to velocity, right? Like as a pitcher at Jink, Jeff uses this analogy a lot. You don't want to have a, or you want to have a team of guys that throw 95 miles an hour, um, because you think you can train some of those guys to potentially, you know, hone their, hone their craft and be able to throw strikes. Even if they don't all throw strikes, you're going to, you're going to go for the guy that throws 95 as opposed to the guy that throws 82 who has control. But sometimes that guy that throws 82 gets more guys out than the 95 guy. And that's the guy who might have all of this, all of the checked out plane efficiency scores and connection. And that guy just hits his way to the next level and continues on. So those coaches also said, you know what, like we can't have a team made up of all guys that have 75 mile an hour bat speed because we have to have that consistent, consistent player in our lineup who does have the good plane score and the good um, connection score and the good, uh, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's kind of a mixed bag right there. I can't give you like just, hey, this is the blanket statement across the board, but I'd say bat speed, rotational acceleration, and uh, plane efficiency are really important. Jeff, what's your thoughts? I echo, um, I, I echo what John mentioned. And um, to provide more light on that analogy, I think that it very well. It definitely, it definitely varies staff staff to staff, and um, depending on what that staff specializes in, might sway them in one direction or another. For example, um, if you have a bunch of pitchers that throw ninety five miles an hour, and your pitching coach is just the absolute best at teaching guys to pinpoint location and teaching breaking balls then that's who you want to recruit. You want to recruit guys with the raw velocity and then you'll fine tune them. But if you have a pitching coach and a weight room trainer who just speaks to pitchers and they're able to do a phenomenal job increasing velocity, then they'll go for the pitcher that's a little more fine tuned mechanically, can spot up, might only throw 82. They'll bump him up eight miles an hour in a year. And by the time he's a sophomore, he's pumping 90 miles an hour with, with four pitches and a splitter. Um, as far as my metrics personally that I would look at if I were a baseball coach, um, for you younger guys, bat speed is something that you're going to want to focus on. Without bat speed, you're not going to be able to play in college or the pros. <laughs> um, rotational acceleration, if you have that, that is like, that is like a gift. It is, it is, my rotational acceleration is horrible, and it is such a pain for me to try to improve it. Um, it has to do with strength it has to do with hip mobility it has to do with swing mechanics and swing mechanics and sequencing it has to do with your athletic ability and um if you're a sophomore in high school and your rotation is above 17 g's oh man you should you should you should keep playing baseball because you've you've got some sort of gift um at least as far as your swing swing mechanics go and if you can fine-tune the rest of it then i think you could 
um, be pretty special. So I think college coaches, because rotational acceleration is so, so frustrating and such a mystery, will gravitate more towards guys that have those higher rotation numbers. Um, and then uh, as far as the number one predictor of success in college goes, we found that on-plane efficiency is that metric. Um, guys in the Cape League with the higher batting averages, lower amounts of strikeouts, um, the metric that set themselves apart from the rest of the pack was their on-plane efficiency over any other metric at all. And, and why that's important is because you know if you're, if you're in high school and you've got bat speed, you can get away with that quick bat just because guys aren't spotting up. They're not throwing low 90s. Maybe there are a couple guys that can pump it in there, and I would bet that those bat speed guys probably struggle off of those, off of those arms, as does the, the rest of the team. But um, if you have any sort of hitch or any sort of hole from the start of your downswing, on your path to the baseball, that lessens your chances um, on every single swing of making contact and putting that ball in play. So, um, again, it's kind of like pitching velocity. Uh, if you have it, it'll get you to that next level, but without fine-tuning it and making everything you're doing more efficient, including your path to the baseball, you're going to struggle and have a tough time. So, again, for me, bat speed, rotation, on-plane efficiency. Parents and players, I hope you listen to that because those are the tweets that need to be sent out. I mean, that's what you need to document. Um, I'm a big guy on documenting your actual workouts too because uh, it gives some context to story and everyone loves a, sto a good story. So if you can actually see those tweets after one of your tweet just pops, like it's an unbelievable video and you get a whole bunch of college coaches looking at you, then they click your profile. And the next thing you know, you have this huge documentation of your career on your, on your Twitter profile what do you think a college coach is going to do? It's just going to make them fall more in love with you. So I, I think take, take that, that advice. Like those are the numbers that you want. And I think anytime you can add pre-contact data or post-contact data, I think it just adds more to that story. Absolutely. So, um, sorry, sorry to cut off, Spike. I wanted to share something. Uh, for you guys that are considering posting your metrics, um, especially for your younger guys, keep in mind that, uh, Obviously, better metrics are favored over poor metrics, but don't be afraid to post your poor metrics because if you can tell a story like that, where you, where, you, where you were able to grow from your freshman or sophomore year to your, to your junior or senior year, man, th there's that so... Was the, yeah. I tell you what, that's the biggest thing that I've been battling with, and I, I get it. I totally get it because players don't know what's on the other side if they do post something bad where... They're like, well, I don't want to post the swing. It was like two months ago. I'm like, your swing hasn't changed. You might think it has changed, but it hasn't changed. Like, yeah, just post it out there. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, would you rather not have the word of mouth or would you rather have the word of mouth? I mean, if you don't have people talking about you, you are irrelevant, completely irrelevant. So um, I want to end this podcast off with um a little bit of a game well not necessarily a game but it's a take it or leave it type of situation where i'm going to give you three statements and then you say yes or no all right so the first one is the mlb will play this season without fans and they will finish the season no no yes wow john why do you say no Oh, there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, yeah. from everything that I've heard, it's just, it's far away. Those, uh, yeah. It's far away. Um, so I, I, well, even I, on the agreements and everything like that, like the conversations, like they're just not like they could easily play tomorrow. They could, they really could. But at the same time, I totally get it from a player's perspective. Totally yeah. get it. It's tough, man. The CBA, you know, the whole, the whole, um, uh, bargaining agreement is coming up next year. There's leverage to be played. There's a lot of different things that are going into this as opposed to, you know, a lot of people make it sound like you just, you get out there and you play and it's, there's, there's more involved. So I, I don't know. I hope Jeff's right. I really do. But, um, I, I don't think so. Jeff, Jeff thinks there's going to be a peace dove coming across. I hope he's right. <laughs> I hope I'm right too. I have no information to back it besides the fact that I'm just optimistic and, I've watched enough Korean baseball league. I'm ready for the MLB. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, take it or leave it. Players will get recruited solely by social media. So they'll be offered a scholarship and not be seen in real life. Take it or leave it. 
Thumbs up. Take it. Take it. I'll take John. it. John. Take it. I've taken it because I've seen it happen. Yep, same. Same. Minor leagues will come back after the layoffs. Say that again. The minor leagues will come back stronger than ever after the layoffs. Stronger than ever? No. No? Negative. Do you think it comes back just where it was? No, I think that they cut teams, and I think it stays that way. I think we're going to see rookie ball get axed. Wow. So it's going to be just A ball, double A, and triple A? Yeah. Which then, I mean, the talent pool ends up condensing, and it's going to be really good baseball at the minor league level. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think baseball? We had a we had a fun um, conversation internally on one of our Friday happy hours last week, and we you know rebuilt the minor leagues, and we imagined combining rookie ball, low A and high A into one. You know, there's there's a league for the AL in Arizona and a league for the NL in Florida, and it's just this massive baseball complex where they all play games against each other, and maybe it's a sixty game schedule, and it's focused more on more on development and fine-tuning your game, and then you transition over into the double-triple-A where you take that um, take that development, and now you get used to the rigorous schedule of playing 140 games a year to prepare you for getting called up to play the 162 games. But, you know, who am I? <laughs> I want to go one more question because I think this is just interesting in minor league baseball. Do minor league baseball salaries go up? Yes. <sighs> no. Ah, there it is. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, tell, tell everyone where they can find you guys. Uh, give your personal and give the blast motion um, a shout out. So, John, go ahead. What, where, where can they find you? Um, well, for you, Spiker, they can find me on Twitter at Johnny Moscott. Um, and, you know, in real life, I'm usually either hiking up in the mountains somewhere or I am – um, on a baseball field, whether it's hitting, pitching, anything of, 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 of the sort. Gotcha. And then, uh, Jeff, where can they find you? I am on Twitter as well. My handle is jbuzz underscore McGarry. Buzz was my nickname growing up. And day to day, I'm either right here at home, uh, pounding away in, in the data and, and talking to baseball coaches, or I'm out in the water um, trying to fine tune my, um, my surfing abilities, which still need work, but, um, having a good time. And where can they find blast? Uh, at blast baseball, blast underscore B S B L, um, or at, at blast motion on Twitter, Instagram, same handles as well. And then if you're looking for more information on, you know, who we are as a company, what we do, who we work with, you can always go to blastmotion.com. There's a ton of great resources there. Um, including a training center, which even will suggest drills based on any certain area of the swing you want to improve. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the closing pitch. Um, please give us a review. If you have not, if you're a new listener, this show is about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. We did a little bit of a tangent here with baseball. Um, and I wanted to get these two guys on. I wanted them to talk about their careers. Cause I know that's so important for a lot of young individuals, um, who are trying to think about what do I want to do after the game? Um, so please give these guys a follow They're They're dynamite guys, um, off of the business world and guys, uh, give, again, give us a review and we'll look forward to hearing you or seeing you guys in the next episode. See ya. Thank you for watching or listening or both to The Closing Pitch. If you'd like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor where you can submit your statement or question via audio. Or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK if you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice five star preferably and we value your opinion and this allows us to reach more people thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next episode